Hello and welcome to PMQ Learning Outcome 5. In this session, we'll be looking at the principles of leadership and teamwork. In particular, we'll be explaining how leadership impacts on team performance and motivation, and we'll also be considering why it may be necessary to change your leadership style to effectively support the management of a project. So let's start by thinking about what leadership is. Leadership is defined by the APM as an ability to establish a vision and direction, to influence and align others towards a common purpose, and to empower people to achieve success. So let's take a moment to think about what that involves. The leader needs to be able to bring together a group of individuals and ensure that they can actually operate into a as a team. And this takes time and coaching. It also means the leader needs to be able to keep the team focused, ensuring that through periods of change and uncertainty, everyone still understands their key goals. And that requires effective communication to establish that. It also makes sure it's about making sure that the direction and motivation needed by individuals is provided so that they can do their best work. And very often it will require the leader to adapt their style depending on the level of experience or the maturity of the individual in the office environment. All of these things will combine to determine the kind of leader that somebody is. We're now going to explore three different models of leadership that help us to understand the factors that influence behaviour and that can lead to individual and team motivation. And the models we're going to be exploring are Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Hertzberg's hygiene theory, and McGregor's theory X and Y. Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs model identified five levels of needs that individual have, individuals have. A need can be described as a lack of something, something that we want, and therefore cre creates the motivation of an individual to fulfil this need. Maslow maintained that one could not proceed to a higher level of need until the lower level need had been fully satisfied. This model is useful to leaders because it means they have a key role of increasing motivation by facilitating the progression from one level to another. Let's now think about each of the levels of need in Maslow's hierarchy in a little more detail. And let's think about what they mean in organisational terms. At the lowest level of need, physiological need, this is all about ensuring we pro provide pleasant working conditions, that people have somewhere that they can go for a coffee or have food at lunchtime, and that can feel basically that their basic needs are met. At the next level, we're talking about safety. This includes things like ensuring that we provide individuals with the right conditions at work and provide them with safety equipment if required. It's about ensuring they have sensible processes that they understand and that they understand their job security, for example. Have they understood the, the terms of their employment so that they're not worrying about these things? Once these basic levels have been met, we can move on to the higher levels in the hierarchy. The third level deals with social considerations, like creating a sense of belonging. This is about making sure that there's team cohesiveness and that people have the right level of supervision to support them and can start bonding with colleagues so that they feel they 
have an, an identity with the organisation where they work. We then move on to levels of esteem. This is about uh, an employee feeling that they have um, been respected for their skills and experience, that they're recognised and praised appropriately, and that they have the right level of job status for the work that they do. And then at the top of the uh, hierarchy of needs comes self-realisation or actualization. This is when an individual feels all their skills are being appropriately and effectively used, that they feel they have maximum opportunities for advancement and can see opportunities for promotion. At this point, the employer is truly fulfilled. All of this helps us to understand then how we can motivate the individual and is a very useful tool to the project manager in making sure he addresses each of the needs of any people in their team. Let's now consider Frederick Hertzberg's model. Frederick Hertzberg developed a theory of motivation based on two factors, hygiene factors and motivators. He was one of the first people to recognise that motivation and demotivation were not simply opposing reactions to the same factors, but rather that those things stemmed from different sources. And he identified two things. The first were called job satisfiers or motivators. They came from actually doing the work, the intrinsic nature of the work itself, whereas hygiene factors were more about the conditions in which the job was done. In his model, he refers to motivators being things such as advancement, opportunities for recognition and enrichment through the nature of the work itself. These things can actually lead to genuine motivation in an individual through self-development opportunities. However, hygiene factors are things that don't in themselves cause, cause motivation, but rather if there's an absence from them or there are poor hygiene factors, then they will cause demotivation. These things include things like company policy or poor admin policies that affect the way in which you work or inappropriate work conditions. So what we then understand is, by understanding Hertzberg's framework, is that if we can remove hygiene factors, and remedy these, then people will not any longer be demotivated, but it won't necessarily motivate them to do their jobs any better. If we want to motivate individuals, we need to focus on the motivators, the things that enable people to feel fulfilled. We need to provide them with development opportunities that can allow individuals to grow their skill sets. So according to this theory then, there are two key steps to motivating employees. The first is to eliminate job satisfaction that may be created through poor hygiene factors, such as poor company policies. The second is to focus on those motivating factors and create uh, conditions that lead to satisfaction by giving employees opportunities to develop their skills, by coaching them, and this will all help to give them extra responsibilities that in the end will motivate them. Let's now consider McGregor's model. McGregor's XY model provides a helpful understanding of how people manage in the workplace and provides a useful reminder that is often, all too often forgotten under the pressures of day-to-day -day working life. 
McGregor identified that there were essentially two key types of managing people, and his theory is still very much used in areas of management and motivation today. His first theory was about theory X people. It proposes that the average person will avoid work, doesn't like to take responsibility, that they will only do what's required if they're directed to do it and threatened with punishment if they fail to do so. On the other hand, his theory Y style of management is more enlightened. It suggests that effort in work is as natural as play, that people will seek out uh, opportunities for responsibility, that they actually enjoy developing their skills and will actually commit to objectives as the direct result of the rewards associated with their achievement. So if we understand this then, what does that mean about the kinds of managers people are if they're a theory X or theory Y? The theory X manager will be highly directive. They'll issue deadlines and ultimatums and are fairly autocratic in their, in their style. There is very little focus on people and they're very task driven, looking for results by required deadlines and everything else is pretty much forgotten. There's certainly very little focus on team building. In contrast, the Theory Y manager is far more enlightened. The Theory Y manager recognises that people like a degree of autonomy. They take their time to coach individuals and give them opportunities to develop their skills. They involve employees in decision making and they also make sure they give them regular constructive feedback and praise them appropriately when they've done things well. They also seek out opportunities for employees to be promoted. And all the evidence suggests that in general, the theory why managers get far better results. So the key thing to remember is there is no one right style of managing people. The way in which you manage others will be driven by a number of things the situation facing your particular project, the time scales involved and the degree of urgency which might lead to a more directive style, and the maturity and motivation and confidence of teams and individuals that you may have responsibility for. So the key here is to be able to adapt your leadership style as appropriate in different situations. For example, if you have a new employee to the team with relatively little experience, then a directive style may be more appropriate, particularly while they're learning the ropes. There may also be some situations, for example, on the battlefield or in an operating theatre, where a more directive approach is going to be important. You don't want to leave things to chance. But let's consider when a more coaching or mentoring style might be appropriate. This may be appropriate where you've got more time and can take the time to develop skills. For example, you may be on a project where you have a process expert, but you'd like them to develop, develop some training materials, something they may not have done before. But you're able to use their prior experience and through coaching, give them extra skills that they can then develop. This in turn will motivate the individual. And then finally, you may have a more delegating style. You'll employ this where individuals have deep experience, understand what they're doing, in these situations as project manager, you don't need to intervene often, only if you see a drop in performance or quality that you need to get back on track. So it may be useful for you to consider now in your own environment, 
how you might adapt these different styles of management to different situations in your current role. So let's now consider the benefits of adapting your leadership style. By demonstrating that you adapt this, your style to different individual needs, you give your team confidence and increase the likelihood of achieving results by making sure you focus your time on efforts on those who most need it and by tailoring your level of support to the needs that they have. This in turn will lead to increased motivation and commitment from individuals that can see that you care about them and that you're willing to adapt your style to meet their specific need in the team. This in turn will build trust of individuals when they see that you can apply your skills differently to support the different individuals. It also demonstrates that you're able to adapt the time that you spend with an individual based upon the experience that they have. And this will mean that you used your time wisely, increasing the competence and confidence of individuals appropriately as you do so. There will also be times when you need to use a different style because of the urgency of a situation. For example, if the project is meeting a crisis point and actually needs quick action taken, you may not have the time in those instances to spend a long time uh, deciding on how to help people. And in those instances, you need to act fast. So you can see the value here of adapting your style to help ensure a successful project delivery.